Um, so a few things before we get started. First, hey, my name is Timothy. Um, if this is your first time or you don't know me, I work here at Vintage. It's good to see you this morning. Um, I'm 100% going to trip over. Actually, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do this, and we're just going to we're just going to believe for the best, guys. If I take a spill, we'll just all be okay with it. Um, so a couple things. Um, if I seem a little tired or a little worn out, that's because I am. Um, that's because yesterday. Uh, so I'm the chaplain for Alatoona High School's varsity lacrosse team. Help out with them a lot. And yesterday we won the state championship. Um, I know a lot of you don't have kids at Alatoona and don't really care about lacrosse. You're like lacrosse. That's I don't know what that is. Um, it's a sport. It's cool. Um, it's actually pretty awesome because several of our kids are on the team and it was a great day. Pretty fun, but not a short day. Barry, you know about winning state championships, buddy. It's a, it's a hard day's work, isn't it? Um, so just let you know. Also, hooray for them. Um, second, and this is pretty fun. Um, as of today, uh, we have interns, and they are here. And you guys stand up. So these are five of our seven right here. Um, and so we're just going to do a little on-the-job training. So y'all go ahead and come up here. Is this still? Yep. All right. Y'all line up across the front. And they are, they are just a great-looking group, aren't they? And we got two more. Avery Freeman is not here. She's somewhere not doing her job. Um, and Tyler Pittard is in Colorado visiting his sister who's about to move to some undisclosed location to be a missionary and she we don't know where it is because it's dangerous i guess that's okay that we don't that he's not here to see his sister last time before she moved somewhere for three years so here's what i need guys your name and one thing you're excited about working at vintage this summer is it good okay hey everyone i'm connor carter so here's what we're going to do to make them feel welcome after they say that we're going to say hey whatever their name is so go again Hey everyone, I'm Connor Carter. Oh, that's so good. Um, and I'm just really excited to get to work with all of y'all's children this year and uh, just really make strong connections with them throughout this summer. Good job, Connor. Go ahead. Hello, uh, I'm Cole Hansen. Hello. Uh, good morning. <laughs> and I'm really excited for just what God has in store for us this summer. Yeah, it's good. Hi, I'm Aaron Stitt. Y'all are so good at this. But so just so we're in unity, only the first name. We're going to go first name only. So we're in uniform across everybody. Go ahead. What are you excited about? Okay, I'm really excited about youth camp. Whoa, baller. <laughs> hey, I'm Gracie Parker. Hey, Gracie. <laughs> um, I'm very excited to see the... Um, like the difference in, because I always went was a camper and always was a student, so I'm excited to see the like background of everything that I like didn't even know happened. So I'm just kind of excited to see the transition of going from student to working for students. There you go. Hi, I'm Megan Hobbs. Um, I'm really, this is weird. Um, <laughs> I am really excited to get to know all your kids, and as a, a kid myself, I was never really plugged in to a church, so I'm excited to get to know all you guys and to be plugged in here. Yay! Man, y'all did so good. All right, uh, y'all can sit down. Thanks. 
Yeah, that's it. Now I'll go work for free. <laughs> um, so another reason why I introduced them is because they're going to be out in the foyer afterwards by a table. Um, and I want to explain what's going on at that table for you. Um, so I said I work here at the church. My job primarily concerns sixth through twelfth grade students. Um, and today we just wanted to give you all an opportunity to get plugged in with what they're doing this summer. Um, summer for us is a real busy time. Um, it's when we have the most events, the most stuff going on, the most kids coming in and out. It's just a crazy time. And with that, there's some great opportunities to get plugged in, um, specifically through events. So if you are looking in any way to love, support, encourage, whatever our students, we have a couple of different uh pieces of paper with some information on them. Some is just our year-round stuff. If you're like, hey, I don't know anything about it. I just want to see what's going on. You can grab one of those. And there's some with summer-focused activities. And now those kind of list our needs. And I'll be honest, for those of you, raise your hand if you have a child or have had a child between 11 and 19. Yeah, so y'all are going to know. It's a lot of food. We need lots of food, okay? Like, we're, we do stuff, and they're always hungry. Like, no matter what we do, if it's a spend-the-night thing, they're, like, rummaging around at 3.30 in the morning. Like, I just want some chips and Red Bull. Like, it's crazy. Like, that's all they want all the time. Um, but there are some other great opportunities. So go check that out. Um, the interns will be out there. They can hand you stuff. So here's one thing I really do want to encourage you to do. If you were like, hey... Financially, you can't really do anything this summer. Time-wise, can't really do anything this summer. On the back of the white sheet of paper, flip it over, and there's a little paragraph and a room for your email address and your name. Um, and that's a place where for the summer specifically, you can partner with us in praying about some stuff. And that actually, for me, is probably more important than anything. Like, don't get me wrong. I would love if you would let us use your boat for a day at the lake. Don't like that would be great. But if you're like, hey, I am here for the first time this morning and I don't trust you. Not completely unfounded, but um, I would love for you to, to read the back of that, figure it out. Give me your email address so I can include you on our email. Um, just so you could pray for our students, um, because. Whether or not you have students our age or whatever, like the reality is, is those folks, 11, 12, 13 years old to 18, 19 years old, those are some valuable people. I mean, all people are valuable, but I'd say they might be the most valuable group here. Like, don't get me wrong. I love all you guys, but Tate Junsar is my dude, right? Like, I, I like him a lot. And, and a lot of people, and I say this a lot, like a lot of people worry about, like, what's going to happen in the church? What's the future of all that stuff? If you want to know, like, not guess, but know, come see what's going on on Sunday nights. Look at our students, because that's what it is. Um, and it's a great way, like, just doing simple stuff is a great way to know that they're loved and supported and encouraged, like, that they're actually part of us and we care about them. Not like people who meet in a building in somewhat, you know, conjoined times, but they're part of our family. And, and that's what we're after. We want to let students know that they're part of our family and that we love and support them. Um, so just go out there, talk to our interns, grab, fill out some information for us. That'd be great. Um, on the front of the paper with all the needs on it, if you want to circle something like that you would be able to do or that you'd be interested in doing and then write down your information, that would be awesome. So go check that out after service. Um, it'll be great. And you can talk to all the people you just said hello to. Um, all right. Done with that. Now on to what I'm going to talk about for the rest of the morning. Um, yeah, woo. Thanks. Thanks, boo. Appreciate that. 
Yeah, so the, if y'all don't know, the woman right here who is singing real great, that's my wife. She's back there. Pretty awesome. Um, yeah, you can clap. I would clap for that. Um, uh, so if you haven't been here consistently for a little while or this is your first time here, we've been in a series for as long as my memory works right now um, called Grounded for Life. And we've been working through the book of First Corinthians. It's Paul's letter to this church. And we've said that there are just some really, really good, simple, easy to understand things that Paul is addressing in this letter that are worthwhile for us to consider. Because it's not things that maybe you you get to once and, and, and maybe a few elite people get there. It's not things that you start with and leave behind. It's these things that can that can provide a foundation for your Christian life wherever you are, however far advanced you are, however new you are. It can be that sort of foundational element for you. And we've been working through it chapter by chapter, verse by verse for a while now. We've uh, started uh, chapter 12, I think three weeks ago. And, and, and chapter 12 falls in this chunk of 12, 13, and 14 where Paul is answering a very specific question. Because if you look at the beginning of a few, of a few verses, he says, and now about this. And, and what people agree on is that he's actually answering questions that were written to him in a letter. And, and they're just real practical stuff like, hey, what? so I wasn't a Christian before I got married. What does marriage look like for me now? Hey, like, how do I, like, I have friends and neighbors who aren't Christians and they sometimes do stuff that I I don't know how to deal with that. Like, how do I do that? How do I deal with my work? How do I deal with my family? How do I deal with this new life? It's really simple, like just really, really good stuff. And the part we're in right now specifically has to do with how God empowers us to live a particular type of life. Paul starts talking about these things called spiritual gifts. He says, when you become a Christian and the Holy Spirit, I don't exactly know how this works, but like takes up residence in your body, you get this new stuff going on. The Holy Spirit empowers you to do specific and powerful things uh, that just look different than your life before. And, And these people, the Corinthians are saying, well, what do we do? Some of this stuff is really normal and we get it. Some of this stuff is a little bit more spectacular and we don't understand what to do. Will you please help us out? And so Steve started and was talking about that we really just need to address this um, as the Bible calls us to with the spirit of Jesus, that we don't want to like get like super like judgmental and religious about it. We want to take this in a fresh, gracious way. Scott, a couple weeks ago, I mean, just he was good stuff, man. I appreciate that. Uh, He was talking. Yeah, that Um, he was talking about that when the Holy Spirit gives us gifts, he says it's for the manifestation for the common good, meaning that what God does in us is for the good of everybody around us. And we all have a part to play. And then Steve went into some more specific details about what Paul said that was last week. And so before we move on for chapter 12, I kind of want to look at what I think is the big picture guiding this conversation. I want to look at what I think is like the, you know, if there, you know, if there's like little things coming in, it's the, it's the question, the, the idea behind all those little things we've looked at. Um, and so I want to look what Paul wrote, and then we're going to talk about that for a little while. So we're going to be in 1 Corinthians 12. We're going to start in verse 12. Um, we're going to go to 26 and then jump down to the last verse, 31. Here we go. It's going to be on the screens. If you don't have it, I'm going to read it. So fire up your Bible app, open your paper, whatever you do. Um, read it, you know, telepathically. I don't know. We have so much stuff now. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> uh, for just as the body is one and has many members and all the members of one body, though there are many, are one body. That's the way it is with Christ. 
For in one spirit we were baptized into one body, whether we're Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, well, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, well, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, that would make, that wouldn't make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body are an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the parts of the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I, I don't need you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the, the parts of the body that seem weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think of less honorable, we bestow a greater on, honorable. On our unpresentable places, we are treated with greater modest, modesty, which our, our more presentable parts don't require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. And I'll skip down to 31. But earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you a still more excellent way. So here's what's going on here, because like for me, I'm like, okay, I get it. You're talking about spiritual gifts. You're talking about this other stuff. And he's like, all right, now let me talk to you about the human body. And, and for me, that's like, have you ever been like driving with someone and maybe you were sleeping, maybe you weren't paying attention and they decide that the exit that is rapidly approaching is the one they need to take from the far left lane and they jerk it over real quick. And like you end up in the back seat, like that's kind of what that did to me the first time I read it. Like it kind of like snapped my head a little bit because all of a sudden he goes from talking about spiritual gifts to say, all right, now let's think about the human body and feet and ears and all this other stuff. I'm like, Paul, what are you doing, bro? So what he's doing is he, is he's trying to help them understand the way that all the members of the church where they are function together. And he says, think about it like this. Think about like, like your human body. Every part is not the same, but it's all a part of you. Like your finger isn't your toe and your eyes aren't your elbow. Like, but it's all part of who you are. And now you guys, some of you are like trying to say that you're better than other people because you have certain gifts or maybe you have certain talents or maybe you come from a certain family or whatever. And so you're, you're better than these other folks around you. But let's go back to our analogy of the body. Like your, your finger isn't better than your elbow. Like there, there isn't a part of you that you could go, you know what? Let's just, let's just forget about that. Like, you know, you can't, you know, he says, you can't look, you know, your foot can't go, ah, man, I'm worthless. And your head can't look at your foot and go, I don't need you. Because eventually your head's going to be like, hey, there's some like Oreo cheesecake over there. I want to go get that. And you'll go to take off it because you have no feet. You will fall, um, which might not be a bad thing. I, <laughs> Oreo cheesecake's been the downfall of many a person. Um, but what he's saying is that there's this relationship that goes on in the human body where everything works together to make it better together than it would be individually. Like, like you know, 
I don't know that I have particularly good hands, but I know that if my hand was like sitting over there somewhere, it wouldn't be as good if it was connected to my arm, right? So the way that our body fits together functions to make each part way better when it's part of the whole than it would be individually. He said, that's the same way it is with you guys. Like everybody's different. Everybody contributes in a different way. Everybody has different gifts. Everybody has different personalities. Everybody comes from different places and has different backgrounds. And it could be really, really, really easy to look and say, you know what? They're not like me, so I've got to think that I'm better than them in some way. Or, you know what, or maybe the opposite. They're not like me, and they come from a better family. They seem to be more talented. They have gifts that seem to be a little bit more spectacular that people tend to go and flock to to receive. Man, I'm probably just not as good as they are. And Paul says that is not the case. The way that God did it, the way that God worked it together is that we were brought together by the Spirit God didn't do it accidentally. He didn't look and go, oh, man, Jeff and Laura Doransky are part of Vintage. What am I going to do with them? Didn't see this coming. Uh, I'll figure it out. Like he didn't do that. He knew what he was doing when he put us together. And he looks and he says, you know what? For the for the functioning of this body, for the functioning of this group of people, this is the way it works. And everybody has to come in and do their part so that everyone can function at a higher level together than you would than you would apart. Um, and, and so here's the deal as we think about that. The thing that Paul is getting at, like, so they're trying to ask questions about like, OK, like they're kind of being sneaky. Now, have you all ever had like a kid? Or, you know, parents or whatever. Have you ever had your, your child ask you a question that you knew wasn't the real question? Like, so occasionally when I was younger, I'd ask my mom and I'd be like, hey, mom, uh, what are we doing tonight? And it wasn't about what we were doing tonight. It's about that I wanted to do something and I had to clear the deck and make sure that I, you know, that there was room for my plans to occur. And so usually my mom would just be like, what do you want to do? And I'd be like, ah, oh, you're a genius. Like, I'm like, mom, you just Jedi mind tricked me. How'd you do that? I don't, you know, like little did I know I was just not that, that clever. Um, and, and so like, that's kind of what's happening with the Corinthians. Cause they're like, Hey, so tell us about spiritual gifts. And what Paul is real, what Paul sees is they're like, they're, they're saying, what about spiritual gifts? But what they're really saying is I'm better because I can do this, right? Like go ahead and affirm the fact that I'm awesome. And these other people aren't. And Paul completely sidesteps that thing and turns it all upside down on its head. He says, hey, I'm glad you're asking about spiritual gifts because here's the deal. God has given them to everybody so that everybody can contribute, so that everybody gets to play, so that everybody brings something to the table and produces rather than consumes for the common good of the body they're a part of and the community around them. And so here's the deal for us at Vintage. We look at this and this is kind of the deal for us. We don't necessarily love the idea that we would come to a place like this and it would be like a few people doing special things for everybody else. We say that idea does not necessarily sound like the best. What sounds like the best is God drawing people together with unique and personal experiences, with special and particular gifting, so that we can work together, be better, be better together than we would be apart bring all of our stuff to the middle and say, all right, how can we bless each other and the community around us? That, that's kind of our idea. That's kind of our focus right here. And so what Paul is getting at here is, okay, so you want to live this life in Jesus where you can, where you contribute rather than just take, where you produce rather than consume. 
and he's kind of getting at them how to do this. And so this is how I would say it for us at Vintage. So I think this is how this passage works out for us. It's, I think we are, so I think it would say we are gifted people placed in community for a purpose. So we are gifted people. All of us have gifts. All of us have a specific role to play. And we're put together with other people for a reason. And so we're going to unpack that a, a, a little bit here. Um, so first, let's look at this. We are gifted people. All of us. Every single person here. We are gifted people. And I don't just mean that we have certain things that we can do that are of value. That's, that's part of what gifted is. When I see this and what I think is what the Bible refers to as calling, or you might have heard it termed vocation. It's this, it's this particular slice of stuff to do in life and in God's kingdom that's given to us. That, that is ours to live in, that is ours to take charge of, that is ours to execute, and really isn't for anyone else. It's kind of the deal that you're, that you're supposed to do. It's not your job. It's not your role. It's way more fundamental than that. And these gifts play a very, very, very particular part in that. And so we need to address some things first. Um, we look... And we see that God has given us gifts. I think immediately, some of us might kind of do what Paul was correcting here. We might say, oh, yeah, like, I understand that that's a thing, but, but that person over here has gifts, probably not me. Or you might even say, you know what, I probably have a little bit going on, but ultimately it's probably that, not that important. It's probably not that consequential. It's probably not that great, and it's probably not that meaningful. And really, I think if we get to the bottom of it, what, what we're saying is we're not really talking about God's gifts or God's plan. We're ultimately talking about ourselves. Like, I think we look and we take, we look at the sum total of our lives, the things that we're, that we can do, that we have done, that we feel are within our power to kind of execute or discharge. And we look and we say, Hey, in the grand scheme of things, comparing myself to other people or comparing myself to what I think I should be. I just don't really have what it takes. Like, I, I'm not that significant. I, I, I just, I, my, my life is pretty normal and pretty commonplace. And there are probably lots of people who have great things to do. But me, I'm just going to work a job, do my thing, and, and, and try not to get in the way. And what this shows us is that that is a fundamentally wrong way to view ourselves. It's just, it's, it's, it's wrong. What we see here is that when we become a part of, of, the, of the family of God, that there is such valuable things put in us that we are treated with such honor that we have no right to disregard ourselves as unimportant. And we have no right to disregard what we can do in our lives as unimportant or inconsequential. Have you ever seen the movie, the movie uh, Dead Poet Society? You ever seen that? I love that movie. It's on Netflix. Go watch it. Um, but there's, there's this part in the movie that I think speaks to this pretty clearly. 
Um, so if you haven't seen the movie, basically it takes place at a boys, a boys boarding school and Robin Williams teaches literature. You know, these are guys that come from really, really well-to-do families in New England. And basically they're just put in this boarding school that get, that fast tracks them to some like great productive life. And Robin Williams comes in, he starts kind of disrupting that saying, Hey, live the life that you desire to live, live with passion, live a full life. Don't do necessarily just what's handed to you. Do what's inside of you to do. And there's this one point where he's taking them out and he's walking in by this giant case. And it has all these pictures of, 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 of people who have gone there in the past and trophies and honors and all these things. People had won and done, I mean, all these amazing things. And he's walking by and he says, and he's saying, look at them. Look at them. Look at these boys. Look at, look at them. Do you think they became who they were intended to become? Do you think... Maybe even they sat here like you do and had some grand aspiration or dream for your life. Do you think they achieved it? Do you think they realized it? And he said, because I think if we listened to their voice, they would whisper to us, be extraordinary. Seize the day. Don't wait. Don't put it off. Don't settle for mediocrity. Go for it now. And man, that seemed just like it, 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 it got in me because I think... If we listen to our own voice or if we listen to the voice of of the world around us, or maybe if we listen to voices that we've already heard, parents from the past, coworkers, whoever it is, like people around us, I don't think the whisper to us is be extraordinary. I think the whisper is like, be ordinary, be comfortable, be safe, blend in. Like, I think that's the thing that seduces us. I think that's the thing that whispers to us. And it's so easy to believe. Like, it is so easy to slip into that cycle of comfort and ease and normalcy and not, like, fiercely going after the stuff that's inside of us. But what Paul says here is that's no way to live. He says you have specific things that God gifted you to do in the context of the congregation that you're a part of in the community that you find yourself placed in. He's given you things that no one else can do and no one else can bring to the table. So we have no right just to hold it in. You know, there's all these places in the Bible that talk about like the world eagerly expecting God's people to step into who they are. Like, have you ever thought about that there might be members of your family? There might be people at your workplace. There might be people you don't even know about waiting for you to become who God's intended you to be so you could have the impact in their lives that God desires you to have. And that's not like condemnation. That's exciting. Guys, I'm trying to tell you, like, like we're not made to, like, live in gray, like in grayscale where everything is either dark gray or light gray, but nothing is outside of gray. We're made to live, like, bright, bold, technicolor lives. Like, we're made to live, like, ultra 4K HD. I don't really like 3D things because they give me a headache, but if that's your thing, 3D, like, whatever it is, we're made to live that kind of life. And I think so often it's so easy to look and go, because someone else is meant to be gifted, because my gifts are unimportant. Or the thing I dream in my heart, I just don't feel like it fits. I'm going to settle for this, for this whisper of just be ordinary. And Paul says you have to very carefully examine your life. You have to very carefully look at how, who God has made you to be, what the stuff that God has placed in you so that you can become that person for the good of people around you. So I want to take like four minutes, and I'm not promising that you walk away and you go, I know exactly what I'm supposed to do. But I, I want to go through something that's been very, very helpful for me. 
that maybe if you're like, okay, I believe this, but I'm not really sure how this fits or anything like that. So I'm going to do, I want us to look at four things real quick that I think can help us get to the bottom of this. Um, so I want us to look four places. And I think if we look these four places, we might start to see like little, like the thumbprints of God in our life to where we can actually see the gifts that God's given us, the role that God's called us to, so we can begin to walk this out. So we're going to look four places. We're going to look up, in, out, and back. Cool? Got it? So here's what, here's what I want you to do. Is that right? Up, in, out, back. Yes, got it right. Um, so here's what I mean by look up. I, what, looking up is kind of looking at your history with God. So what are the things in your spiritual life that have been the most important? What are the moments that really, really stand out and shape you? Like, what are the worship songs that you like look at and you're like, oh man, every time I sing that song or I hear that song, I like go somewhere else. What are the moments in prayer where you're like, look, I can't even remember my quiet time because that's 15 years. But I remember one time I was sitting on a tree stump in my backyard and I prayed this little wimpy prayer. God did something crazy. What are these moments in your personal history with God that you look at and they have left a very, very profound impact on who you are? What are the moments when you felt like God spoke to you very clearly? Like, what are those things? All right, so that's looking up. We want to look at our relationship with God. So then we want to look in. So this is just looking purely at who we are and what we love, right? So what are the things that, that really get you most excited? Like, what's the last thing you did or the last thing you knew, like when you were about to do it, like it was hard for you to sleep or you were like giddy excited? What are the moments that you've done things and you felt most fulfilled? Like you got done doing it and you walked away and you had energy. You felt like you had a lot of clarity. You're like, man, that was absolutely awesome. What are the things that you find yourself gravitating towards naturally? Like what do you read books about, articles about, watch movies about, listen to songs about, talk with people about? What are those things that just sort of naturally come out of you? So this is where we look at sort of like evaluating objectively. Like what are the things going on within us? All right, so then we want to, now we want to look out. Now, what looking out is, is we look out into the world and see the things going on that, like, really, really resonate with us. So say you're watching TV, say you're watching the news, you read whatever. What are the things that you see going on in the world that you would love to be a part of? Like, like for instance, uh, we do a thing called Studio 242. It's for, like, artists, creative people or whatever. We do it every first Friday? Second Friday of every month. And so some people had an idea and they said, hey, we want to do this. And all of a sudden there's just this group of people who come here the second Friday of every month because they, they saw this thing on and they're like, man, that is what I want to do. That's what I want to be a part of. So what are the things you look at, you see going on and you're like, man, I really, really want to be a part of that. What, what are things that really make you angry? Now, I don't mean just like frustrated, but I'm talking about the thing that like the kind of anger that makes you want to change something. Like you see something and you're like, that's not fair. That's not right. That shouldn't be that way. I, I want to actually do something about that. So that's kind of what happened with foster care for us. We saw this thing going on and we say, hey, that's, that's not okay. We want to actually get in there and change that. So we want to look out in the world. We want to look out in our community. We want to look at out at it like the sort of the, the horizon of possibility and say, everything is not for me and I am not for everything, but what are the few things that I see going on that really, really kind of get in here and stick with me? And then finally, we want to look back and that's just our own personal history. It's like, what are the things that people generally ask you to help with? What are the things that you find yourself naturally able to do? 
So like for me, I didn't know for a long portion of my life that people were afraid of public speaking. No clue. Because I was just always like, I could always do it. Like, I'm not going to say that I love being the center of attention. (laughs) But I didn't mind it is what I'm saying. Um, So like. So my mom will be here next service. She lives in Greenville, South Carolina. Oh, man, she could probably tell you all stories. She will be the silver-haired lady walking in in between services. If you want to grab me, like, hey, tell me about Timothy being the center of attention, she will probably make you not want me to work here anymore. Um, just saying. Uh, so, like, I realized that I could do that. So, like, that's something that a lot – actually, I think that's, like, the number one fear for you is public speaking. So then, like, if I'm okay with it, maybe I should do something concerning that, right? Or, like, so for me, I am so absolutely terrible at administrative and organizational things. So, like, if you can look at, like, a pile of clutter or, like, a jumble of documents and, and, and when you have to go places and all this other stuff, and you can just, like, go, like, and it's all in order, that takes me about 12 years to do. Um, yes. Yes, it does. <laughs> um, and, and so if you, if you can do that, like, that's not something a ton of people can do. So, like, what are the things that you find yourself naturally able to do that other people just can't do? Like, what do people come and seek you out to do? What are the things you're naturally good at? When's the last time you were just given an assignment or something to do and you massively, massively over-delivered on it? Like, you took the bare minimum and just blew it away. So this is not my entire middle or high school career. This is, like... Not that at all. Like, so like not C work, but I'm talking about A plus work when C work would have still gotten you an A, if you know, if that makes sense. So up relationship with God in what's going on inside of you, personal passion, stuff like that out. How does what's going on in the world correspond with who you are or whatever back personal, um, like your track record of, of what you succeed at and what people get you to do help with the things that you're recognized for excelling at. So here's what I'm going to do. I'll take like a minute, just a real quick second. I want you to go through those things real quick and see if anything starts to connect for you. Just like 60 seconds. Ready? Go. Okay. So now... You may have gone through each one of those, like you have like an up section, an in section, an out section, and a back section, and they may not seem to be like, oh yeah, those fit together so naturally. But I bet if you start to combine those, you can find a unique role, like stuff that you're good at, stuff that you care about that maybe other people don't, in a place that you are extremely passionate about that fits God's action in the world. There's a guy, uh, I think it's Frederick Buechner, he said that, that your calling, your gifting, what you're supposed to do is where your deep passion meets the world's deep need. So the stuff at the end of each one of those columns where those things meet areas of dire need around you, I bet God is like, hey, I bet you could do something there. You know, so we're, we're called, we are gifted people. We actually have stuff going on. Now, we're not just gifted people, we're gifted people placed in community. See, and that's what Paul is talking about here, this whole idea of the body. He's saying you're not just people with a specific passion, with specific things you're good at. You're, you're not just that. You are placed in a group of people like that. And this actually doesn't really go real well with where we are socially right now. Like, we are supposed to be independent. 
We are supposed to be self-sufficient. We're supposed to have like the silo of our life that we take care of where we go through elementary school, middle school, uh, high school, college, maybe postgraduate work. We get a job. We have a family. We do all that stuff. And it's all sort of the self-contained thing that we do and we're in control of. It might be really close to somebody else's silo, but, but it's ultimately ours to take care of. And, and here in this body, it just doesn't work that way. It's not, it's not independence. But it's also not codependence. It's not where we so are so ineffectual personally that we have to have other people help us do every little thing like I am with organizational administrative work. It's not like that. What it is is, is, is right in the middle of this thing called interdependence where we actually need people to supplement and help where we are weak. There's a guy, his name's Mike Mosley. He spoke here as Randall's cousin, I think. Um, he has a ministry in Africa. And, and their motto is this. You can go fast alone, but you can go far together. And that's our, that's our idea. Is that together when we bring all our giftedness, all the stuff that God has called us to do and empowered us by the Spirit to do, that it, it might not be as easy or as fast as if we could do it to, uh, alone. But it will be better and we will go farther and we will have and generate more impact if we do it together. God has called us to do that. In fact, he calls us to do it for several reasons. He calls us because we might not know what our giftings are, but somebody else might be able to see it really, really, really quickly and be able to help point that out for you. Other people can actually help you see places where you just where you're just destroying people as you go after this. Like some of the greatest gifts for me were when I was trying to figure out what to do and people would say, hey, man, like, I think you're really good at this, but you're also like emotionally ruining, ruining people. Like sometimes you can be not very nice. Sometimes you can be a little too driven. Sometimes you can be a little too about the task and not about the person. Right. Like that, like that is very helpful. And, it, and, and we only get that in community. But ultimately what we what we get is the stuff that this is for, the, the impact that these gifts, our gifted lives are meant to have. The place that lands is not some like nether region out there. It's in people's lives. Like the purpose is the transformation of people around us. The, per, the purpose is our personal transformation from the gifts of people around us. Like God doesn't just call us to be gifted people and we all acknowledge it and say, hey, you're great. Way to go. He calls us to, to, to join him in doing what he is doing and bringing everybody back to him and restoring his relationship with all people and redeeming every person in creation. And that's what our gifts are for. That's why we're in community, because we actually have to have these relational lines. We actually have to have these relational spaces for the work of God to land, because that's what he ultimately desires. He ultimately desires that this would happen with people. He ultimately desires our purpose is that we would actually and I'm going to use this word intentionally, but I got to explain it, that we would actually be a blessing to people. And now blessing is kind of like a tired word that's gotten worn out and is like kind of kicked around and not doesn't really mean much. But like when we see like in Genesis 12, 1 through 3, when God takes Abraham and says, hey, I'm going to set you apart and I'm going to bless you so that you'll be a blessing. What it means there is God's tangible presence, his tangible touch in such a way that it actually physically changes things around a person's life. It's not like where you're like, mm, be blessed, brother. Like it's not that. Like it's actually where you start to live and work and act and do talk all the stuff in such a way that the, the 
place you are, the lives you're around, begin to change and look more like God's intentions. And that's what we're meant to do. That's the ultimate purpose. Like our community is meant to be like our little vintage family here is meant to be a blessing to this area. We're meant to be an ever increasing sort of like epicenter of God's blessing in Paulding and Cobb County. Like you individually are supposed to be this like expanding, you know, these expanding concentric circles of God's blessing around your life. Like people's lives should be better because you're a part of them, because your gifts and the role that you're meant to play intersect with your life. People's lives should improve. People's lives should be better. Foster care children should be taken care of. You know, schools should have things provided for them. People at work should be cared about and loved. Family members should be comforted. Things should actually change. Some of us probably actually have roles that are way bigger than that. Some of us are supposed to be impacting things at a county, city, civic, whatever level. Like, and actually cause our area to look more like Jesus' intention than just like a place in metro Atlanta. Like, that's what we're called to do. That's who we're called to be. Paul's thing here, Paul's intention in this whole thing is like, I'm not, I'm not just trying to tell you how to behave in church. I'm trying to tell you how to live a life that is a rich source of blessing for people around you. Like one of my favorite stories, Jesus feeding 5,000 people, right? Y'all, I mean, that's kind of a Sunday school Bible story. If you don't know that story, there's a time Jesus is walking around. Several thousand people are following him. And uh, they're starting to get hungry late at night. And the guys that are following Jesus look at him and go, hey, Jesus, we better send these folks home because it's a long walk and we don't have any food. And Jesus looks at him and goes, you feed them. And they go, with what? And he goes, all right, bring me whatever there is. And he ends up taking like essentially like a, a sack lunch that a kid has and feeding 5,000 people with it. And it's a great story. It's a miraculous story. But we missed the point. Jesus' first reaction was, you feed them. Jesus' response to us is you feed people around you. He looks at you and says people need things. People have deep appetites that are dying to be met. And ultimately, yes, there's stuff you can do, but you're the one who's supposed to feed them. By my power, through the gifts I've given you, you're meant to be a source of satisfaction and blessing all around you. And that's what Paul's getting at here. He's saying, yes, there are spiritual gifts. Yes, there's all this stuff to do. But ultimately, it's about this big life that God has called us to live by his spirit, through through the sacrifice of his son, empowered by the gifts he's given us. That's what we're supposed to do. But then he ultimately gets to this last part that's pretty cool. He gets to this last thing, this last verse where he says, and you should eagerly desire those gifts. And then he goes, but I'll show you a more excellent way. And that's what goes into chapter 13. And if you've been to a wedding, odds are you've heard 1 Corinthians 13. Because it says stuff like this. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love doesn't boast. Love rejoices in the truth. It doesn't rejoice in wrongdoing. He begins to say all this stuff about love. And so what Paul is saying is ultimately the better way than just being gifted, the better way than just living a life that is, that is bigger than it should be is, is this life is fueled, motivated and, and lands and all this. It finds its being in a life lived that is centered on love. It's centered on loving those around you, not just seeing as them as an object of your gifts and blessing. It, 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 it's seeing the people around us, the, the lives that we come to contact with. It's people who are deeply and desperately loved by God. And so the reason, the reason God gave us gifts is so that we could love people. 
The reason that God brought us together is so that we could give and receive love and community. And we're going to talk a lot more about love, but we have to understand the place that this ends, the place that being a blessing, having all this stuff, the place that it ends is that we are meant to live a loving life. I think one of the greatest blessings you could give somebody is whatever way it looks for you, responding to them, treating with them, addressing them, all the stuff with the love of Jesus. Like that's the thing that changes stuff. Like that's the thing that gets down in under like up in our heart and actually begins to change who we are and who the people around us are is a life lived. Yes, with gifts. Yes, to be a blessing, but it's ultimately motivated and fueled by love. And here's the first thing, guys, or here's the real thing is to do this. We can't just say we have to love people. We have to realize that we are loved first. In the beginning of Jesus' ministry, like right in the beginning of the book of Mark, Jesus is about to go do all of, all of his ministry, and he goes to be baptized by a man named John. And John takes him and baptizes him. And as Jesus comes up out of the water, a voice comes from heaven, and it says, This is my son. I'm pleased with him. You should listen to him. And that voice, that endorsement by God is what carries Jesus through a majority of his ministry. And it is my personal belief that if we're going to live the kind of life that Paul tells us to live, if we're going to live and love people, if we're going to live with our gifts, if we're going to live to be a blessing, if we're going to live in community, if we're going to live for a purpose, that we have to hear the same thing. You have to understand that your motivation to live the life that God has called you to live is not one of duty, is not one of obligation, is not one of paying back a debt, but is motivated by his love for you shown in the sacrifice of his son. Because a lot of us, a lot of us might think this, like we might say, okay, I want to hear God's, God's voice that says whatever. I want to hear God's voice that says, I'm his son, I'm his daughter. He loves me. He's pleased with me. But I think we might hear something like this. This is my servant who I employ. I'm happy when he or she does a good job. And so we want to live this life, but we're ultimately terrified of failure because we see God as a boss who's waiting to fire us. Or we might hear this. This is my disciple who I am training, I'm waiting for him or her to get it right. And so we're like, God is mostly disappointed and he's mostly angry. Like I've heard this before. I've tried this before and I feel like I'm a disappointment. Or we might hear this. We might hear, this is my disappointment who I am stuck with. I'm sure that he or she is about to mess things up. Like, right? Like we come to church, we hear this, we read whatever it is and we're like, I just don't feel like I'm doing it right. And I'm sure that God feels the same way, but what you need to understand is that is not God's voice to us. His voice to us is, this is my beloved child. I am pleased with them. And when we get that, when that hits here, when that love that Paul starts talking about in 1 Corinthians 13 that's supposed to be directed to other people, when we realize that that kind of love was first directed to us, well, we have to live these kind of lives. We have to live a life that is bursting with gifts, that is a blessing to other people. We have to do it because it's what Jesus did for us and calls us to do by his love. And so let's respond to this this morning. Let's take a minute and actually say, all right, we want to do something. So here's what we're going to do. We have a few things. Um, I think Jeff and Harvest are going to come back up. Yes or no? Yeah, y'all can go ahead and come. Um, 
So they're going to play for a little while. We have a few ways to respond. First, if you've come ready to give offerings or whatever, uh, got baskets right here. Go ahead and do that. Um, we've, it, it, there's a little box in between the doors if you want to give your offering there. Um, we have communion up here if you want to come and, and receive communion. Um, we're also going to have ministry teams uh, on either side. Y'all can go ahead and come up. Uh, ministry teams. And so I just want to explain something real quick. And I think we say this a lot and maybe people don't know what ministry teams are. So these are just normal folks. They are not scary, except for perhaps Sheila. I don't know. Um, uh, and the whole reason we do this is because we say we want to pray for people. And so if you want prayer about anything, come get prayer. Um, but here's what I'm going to ask you to do. If any part of this resonates with you, if any part of this is like, yeah, I want that. Then respond. Get get a little bit of it this morning. Um, don't leave. Like if you feel like there's something for you, don't leave until you feel like you got some. And, and whatever that takes, whatever that looks like, do it. Um, Harvest is going to sing a song and then she's going to pray and release everybody. Once she does that, we'll be released. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope you'll have a great rest of the Sunday. Um, respond as God leads you. Thanks. <laughs>